Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome to Repentance is the Key. Is the key. Scriptures, and we only see how people twist the scriptures to justify serving their own lusts. 
Um, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. So from there, just to establish what the Lord said, I want to go to hmm, Mark, the seventh chapter. I'm going to start at the first verse. Because, you know, growing up, you know, in the South, you know, the Bible Belt, if you will, you know, it's pretty much ingrained in you, or at least when we were coming up. You go to church every Sunday, okay, whether it's Baptist, AME, AME Zion, Southern Baptist, African Methodist, Episcopal, um, you know, holiness, whatever, non-denominational, it doesn't matter. And pretty much these are all your different brands of Christianity, if you will. And this is one of the many scriptures that was used to justify eating of unclean, what the scriptures call unclean foods. Let's start at Mark, the seventh chapter, and we're going to read through verses uh, 1 through 9. All right? This is uh, the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with the fowl, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. Stop right there. So reading at the beginning, we're seeing that the context of this chapter, okay, what we're about to read, it says, verse 2, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, unwashing hands, they found fault. Let's keep that in mind as we read on. For, verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Right, so it's showing you that Outside of the commandments and things that the Lord had instituted under the Levitical priesthood, that from the time of Moses when it was instituted up till now, the people had instituted some of their own customs and traditions, such as the washing of your hands before you eat. Now, naturally, you know, you would think, okay, hey, it's a cleanliness issue because you don't want to eat, you know, with dirty hands. But they were taken to the point that, oh, they're breaking the law. Not an issue of being uh, unclean or anything. Oh, you're breaking the law of Moses. Well, the whole subject matter was eating food with unwashing hands, not breaking the dietary laws. Exactly. But let's read on, because okay. we, we ain't got to the good part yet. All right. Uh, verse 4. And when they have, when they count, come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. Mm -hmm. And many other things there be, which they receive to hold, as the washing of cups, and pots, and brazen vessels, and of tables. Mm-hmm. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? So there's the whole thing, eating bread with unwashing hands. Read on, because we're going to read down to verse 9. Verse 6. He answered and said unto him, them, Well have Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit mm -hmm. in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the traditions of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other like things ye do. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, For well ye reject the commandments of God, that ye may keep your own traditions. So it's nothing new. Okay, even back then when the people knew who they were, and still in captivity and understood what the commandments were, they still added their own traditions, laying aside the commandments of the Heavenly Father, just like a lot of our people do today. When they say that, oh, you can uh, have sex outside of marriage. Oh, you can try it before you buy it. Oh, well, you can pray over the pork and it's clean now. Oh, well, you don't eat all the shellfish. Oh, it's, just, it's, it's, all, it's all good. It's, it's, 
that's clean in Christ, holding to the tradition of the elders and laying aside the commandments and rejecting the commandments of the Heavenly Father. So now, let's jump down to verse 14. Mark 7 and 14. And when he had called all of the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. Stop right there. The Lord said, listen unto me and understand. Because what he's about to do is explain not only the parable he was speaking of, but also going to expose the hypocrisy of the leaders of that time. Because they were the ones that were supposed to be teaching and setting the example of the, uh, to the people of the commandments of the Heavenly Father, but they were like, listen, you do this, but they weren't doing it themselves. Go ahead. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Mm -hmm. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So he said it straight. Okay, so keeping this thing in context, is this dealing with anything pertaining to the dietary law? You know, it sounds like it's dealing with eating food with unwashing hands or not eating food with unwashing hands. That, that whole chapter was dealing with that subject matter, so it's not dealing with eating swine or eating pork or shrimp, lobster, crab. Mm. You, you know what? Let's read a little bit further down because I think it, it might not be clear enough. Okay. Uh, 17? Yep. And when he had entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Stop. So, see, even the disciples had questions about that parable. Well, let's see. Let's read on. And he said unto them, Are you, are you so without understanding also, do ye from without enter... Oh, start, that, uh, start that again. Right. Yeah. The whole verse. yeah, 18. Um, Mark 7 and 18. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever things from without enter into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goes out into the drawer, purging all meats. So the Lord asked him a question. He said, don't you understand that when you eat something that it passes through your digestive system and comes out as waste? That's what he said. That means you can eat pork now. Yeah. And it just goes in and comes right out. It comes right out. But, again, speaking, staying within the context, let's see what the Lord says defiles us. Because we already know and established, like, listen, he wasn't talking about eating unclean foods. He was talking about dealing with the doctrine of the scribes and the Pharisees and eating with unwashing hands. And I'm going to keep repeating these things because that's what we read out of the scriptures. People learn better through repetition anyway. <laughs> so let's see what the Lord says defiles us. Matthew, I mean, excuse me, Mark 7 and 20. Mm -hmm. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. Mm -hmm. And from within, out of the heart of men, See evil thoughts, yep. adulteries, yep. fornication, mm. murders, mm. thefts, yep. covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, mm -hmm. pride, yep. foolishness. Mm -hmm. All these things come from within and defile the man. So these are all the things that sadly we see in a lot of our churches. Now, when I say churches, I mean churches that claim and profess the name of Jesus Christ. These things aren't taught. These things aren't taught. How do we know that? Because scandal after scandal. Uh, you get uh, one pastor just recently uh, was um, he was brought out. It was brought out that he was 
instead of spreading the gospel, he's spreading HIV to women. Then you had another pastor, a few years ago, he was, you know, alleged to be molesting boys. And there was another pastor in uh, Florida, he had raped and molested some uh, young girls, and the congregation wanted him to come back. I mean, I can go on and on and on. It's so much... There's so much scandal, there's so much pedophilia, so much adultery goes on in these Christian churches because of the laws of the, the laws being quote unquote done away with. Mm-hmm. I got a Jesus card. I can just keep running it up. I can go out have a one night stand and look say, Lord, forgive me, and it's all good. Oh yeah, pastors have one night stands too. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on because we got a lot of ground to cover. I want to go from there to the Book of Acts. And this was a baby one. Somebody tried to get me with this one. Uh, we're going to the book of Acts, and we're going to read through Acts the tenth chapter and Acts eleven. It's a lot of it's a lot of information in there, but um, we're going to read we're going to read through this. Okay, we're going to read through Acts the tenth and eleventh chapter to see what's going on here, because this was another scripture that. I'll use some other scriptures that people use to justify the eating of unclean foods. Let's see what, what is, what's going on here. Uh, you can start in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. All right. Acts 10 and 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea named called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, mm-hmm. a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision of evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and said, uh, and said unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked up, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send them to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Mm-hmm. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. All right. That's pretty straightforward. Go ahead. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called his two household, excuse me, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continuously. Mm -hmm. Continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So now you have Cornelius who's called the vision where the angel told him, listen, send people to fetch Simon Peter so that he can instruct you in the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what this is going into. Go ahead. On the mall, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Mm-hmm. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. Oh, he was hungry and he was going to eat. Let's see what he's going to eat. But while they uh, made, made ready, he fell into a trance. Mm-hmm. And he saw heaven open. A hungry trance. And a certain vessel descending unto him as, as it, excuse me, and saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheep knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, mm-hmm. wherein were all manners of four-footed beasts, mm of the earth, mm-hmm. and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. Ooh. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So Peter was hungry. 
among the nation of the Jews mm-hmm. was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear words of thee. Then he then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain men from Joppa uh, accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered in Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. Uh But Peter took up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he walked with them, he went in and found many as many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Read the last part again. He said he should not call but, any man what? But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So we see what the vision was in reference to. The vision was in reference to the three men that were sent from Cornelius for the gospel of the Lord to be preached unto them. That's what this is talking about. It has nothing at all to do with food. But let's read on, because I'm going to deal with that whole point, um, that aspect of it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. Because... um, yeah, yeah. You want to deal with that? Well, it, it just, you can go into John chapter 9, I'm telling you, excuse me, St. John chapter 4 and verse 9. It, it goes into that issue. You start really dealing with what you call nowadays the circumcision and the uncircumcision, mm-hmm. and which goes all the way back when, when, um, from the they, first they, captivity, really. From the first captivity, but when the kingdom split, mm-hmm. uh, after, after Solomon, and it was divided into the southern and northern kingdom. Remember, the, uh, Israel, which was the northern kingdom, went off into idolatry everything else. And most high scattered them all over the world. Mm-hmm. So you have the northern kingdom in the, uh, in the land, which is basically made up primarily of the tribe of Judah, some Levites, and on and so forth. Right on down into this time that we're reading now, in the, into the Roman era, mm-hmm. and with Christ, it was those that northern kingdom that were basically there. All the other people that were scattered, all the other Israelites that were scattered abroad, remember our people had considered them, they're cut off, they're not a part of this anymore, they are basically like the Gentiles. Was it, was it, uh, was it the southern kingdom of Judah, or was it the northern kingdom of Israel that did? Um... Northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Okay. So, so remember, that's why uh, the vision had to come to Ezekiel about the two sticks being joined back together mm-hmm. so that everything comes back under one house. That's why Christ said, I have other sheep, which is talking about the scattered of our people. That's the reason why you had Peter in Judea, teaching to the Israelites that was there, a lot of circumcision mostly, and Peter was sent out to the uncircumcision, meaning those who were scattered abroad. James Paul, Paul, excuse me, Paul was sent out to those who were scattered abroad. That's why we read in James 1 and 1, it tells you, to the dispersed, scattered abroad, to the Israelites scattered abroad, greeting. That's who it's dealing with. So, Really, you're starting to you're starting to see that those two those two branches drawn back into one state, or basically Israel and Judah being brought back into one house, and that division of basically two nations being brought back into one nation. This is all starting with basically you know Cornelius, and then you want to have the other inch boys into the 
our people scattered the world with, especially going into Paul and his travels and everything like that. But all this is doing is fulfilling the prophecy of how that nation is going to be gathered back, all back up to one, which is Christ, and not be divided into two nations. Because remember, it was divided into two nations. But all this, they're all being brought back together. And this started with, right now, right here with Peter, dealing with Cardinal. Yeah, because actually I was, I was looking for the uh, one of those prophecies concerning the tribe of Judah where it says, um, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. That's in, that's in, well, you took, well, they, it's something Genesis. Okay. Of the Shiloh come. Right. See, I was, this is going right back to what we read in the beginning in the book of Matthew chapter 5 when he says, so all things be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Because that's, what, that's what's happening right now. It started here. But this is what's continuing to happen in these days and times. The Lord is bringing the scattered of the lost sheep of the house of Israel back together under Christ, not under a man. All right, so just to link those two together, this is Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is the most I already dealt with Abraham. And everything passed from Abraham to Isaac down to Jacob. He already knew prophecy about the Israelites going to slavery, and the whole nation going to be scattered. But the most I let them know that everything is going to be brought back together under one. Uh, Genesis chapter 49 of verse 10 tells you, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, meaning the rulership, the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, uh, um, Christ is coming out of the uh, tribe of Judah. That's right. why it's going into that. From the line of David. All right, that's why it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a Lord given from between his feet until Shiloh come. That's the final Messiah. That's the final deliverer, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. That's Shiloh, meaning the peaceable one. And when you go into Isaiah, I believe that's chapter uh, 14, it, it goes into all of the titles that Christ is going to be given. Mm-hmm. So the, the peaceful one, the, how the government is going to be on the shoulder, all of these things that's going to describe Christ. One of those things are Shiloh or the peaceful one. It says, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Okay, so all of Israel that was split after the kingdom of, of Solomon is now being brought back together, no longer a divided nation. Now to tie that right back, just turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse one. It's coming full circle to explain all of that that we read about earlier. So Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse one, it says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by what? And by our gathering together unto Him." So all all this is going into all the prophecies being fulfilled. Everything is not coming together. It's not through Christ. Those two nations that was once divided and against each other, enmity against each other, are now being made one. Right. Cause it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, this is uh, made into fruition uh, in uh, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, when it talks about the Jews and the Gentiles coming together under one in Christ. Um, this is Ephesians 2 and 11. Wherefore, remember that in times past, that being in times past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Because you had a lot of my people that was in the Gentile state of mind, the Israelites that was in the Gentile state of mind, following after the customs of the other nations. They were called uncircumcision with a capital U, meaning the Gentiles, by the circumcision, which was the capital C, that was mainly going to the Pharisees and Sadducees. They looked down... Well, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't uh, deal with the uh, other Israelites that was called the uncircumcision, and that 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 uh, that split also led into the church because you had many people that was bringing in false doctrines in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, if you didn't like in Acts 15, 
if you're not dealing with the law of Moses, then you're not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. The sacrifices of yeah. the, 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 the circumcision. Right, right. right. But just to, just to bring it out by an example that Christ is dealing with, and this is all alluding back to that one nation coming back together, John chapter 4 and verse 9. Um, it says, Then says the woman of Samaria unto him, this is Jesus Christ, How is it that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Hmm. That's the separation going on. Mm-hmm. Now, Christ is going to bring out the understanding. So, I mean, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me the drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he hath given thee living water. So Christ is basically revealing to her that he's actually the Messiah, and she doesn't really know really who he is. Mm-hmm. 11. And the woman said unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou the living water? Then, now verse 12 is the, the revealing. Verse 12 says, And art thou greater than our father Jacob. So this woman is on that seed line. Our father Jacob. But it just shows you that separation that happened. Well, Jacob only had one nation coming out of his lawn. Exactly. It says, Which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children and his cattle. All right? So she's already saying, this is where my lineage is coming from. 13. And then Jesus said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall, uh, shall thirst again, meaning the regular water in the well. Verse, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Remember, he's going to walk under the water by the word, the actual word that he was going to speak unto him. John chapter 6 and verse 63, talking about the words I speak unto you, they are in their life. And then it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, he come hither. So now Christ is going to say, He's going to, be, he's going to teach him. Remember, he's called the husband, right? So he can teach them actually this doctrine and go into basically how that house is going to be fulfilled. So it just shows you that, yes, that's what's going to happen, but the nations will be coming back together. It's all going to come back together under Christ. And these are one of the first instances where you start to see that coming together is start to happen. And that's why the Lord said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them will I bring also. Mm-hmm. See, the, the plan, the, the, it was already written in the scriptures that the Lord was going to gather the scattered of Israel. But, um, I want to deal with, I still want to uh, deal with this whole thing of the circumcision and the uncircumcision because that is the, the focal point, and that's where people fall off the horse. That, that basically gives you the proper understanding of what it's dealing with when it tells you about some of these other scriptures we're getting ready to go into. Um, I'm going to the book of 1 Maccabees. Yeah, what was that, Ephesians? Uh, Ephesians 2, and I didn't get a, get a chance to finish. But, um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, this is Ephesians 2 and 11. And uh, you can read really to the end, but let me just read verse 12 because this is the point. That in that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So these Gentiles were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were actually Israelites, but because of their actions and the way they were living, they were considered to be Gentiles. But now through Christ, they have a chance to repent but not to the, the religion of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, not to uh, burning burn incense in the temple or mm-hmm. uh, sacrificing animals or anything like that, but now 
they come back through Christ, which is the epitome, well, which is the summation um, of the law. Because Christ told us how to keep the law better the way it was supposed to be kept, not through the religion of Pharisees and Sadducees, not through burning and sacrificing animals and all that and the temple ordinances and all that. The, the Gentiles are coming, the Jews and the Gentiles are coming together in Christ to form one nation, the nation of Israel in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and strangers from the covenant of the of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Ooh. So when these Gentiles were following after these, well, when these Israelites were following after the, the ways of the Gentiles, they had no hope. When they were into homosexuality, they had no hope. When they were going into other gods, they have no hope. When they were living outside of Christ, outside of uh, what the scripture said, they had no hope without God in the world. Uh-huh. So through Christ, the Jews of Israel and the Gentiles of Israel can come together as one. You know, but, well, you can read on further down, but, but that was the point that I was, that I was making there. What was that? What is that now? Ephesians? Uh, Ephesians, that's Ephesians 2 and 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse and I read verse twelve. Okay, you can read further down where Christ talking about uh, where Paul talked about Christ uh, healing that middle wall of partition mm-hmm. because even though there was a breach between the Jews and the Gentiles, it was actually a breach between us and the Heavenly Father. And right. Christ healed that breach through His through His death on the cross to bring in that second covenant. Okay, I'll tell you in Hebrews eight. Good, because I want to I want to focus on verses 11, 12, and thirteen. And I'm gonna read something out of the history to drive this thing home. Okay, I'm staying. I'm going the same place you were. The Book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse eleven. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, mm-hmm. who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So that was all explained. He said, but at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay. I want to go into the history a little bit. This is the book of 1 Maccabees. And just to bring some people up to speed, um, this is during the time of uh, the rulership of that lineage of uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, okay, coming through the line of Alexander the Great, that people refer to him as Alexander the Greek. So let's see what some of our people were doing during this time period when the Greeks were in power. Because, mind you, the Greeks were in power before the Romans became the, uh, the ruling nation. This is the book of 1 Maccabees, chapter 1, I'm in verse 11. In those days there went out of Israel wicked men who persuaded many, saying, Let us go make a covenant with the heathen that are round about us. For since we departed from them, we have had much sorrow. Because you had the heathen that were basically, you had the Greeks that were pushing their agenda and um, basically trying to make all people one nation. And they're saying, listen, since we stopped following the other nations, we've had much sorrow. We're catching all type of flight from the other nations and from the Greeks for trying to uh, keep to the laws and the uh, commandments of the Heavenly Father. Let's read on. It says, so this device pleased them well. Then certain other people were so forward herein that they went to the king who gave them license to do after the ordinances of the heathen. So the king is going to give them a license to break the commandments of the heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, in the Apocrypha, I don't know the exact scripture. Mm-hmm. The scripture says in the in uh, Ecclesiasticus that no man, the God gave no man a license to sin. Exactly. But let's read on. 
It says, Wherefore they built places of exercise at Jerusalem according to the customs of the heathen. Because back then they used to exercise butt naked. And made themselves uncircumcised and forsook the holy covenant and joined themselves to the heathen and were sold to do mischief. So this is why you see they called them the uncircumcised. Because they followed after the customs of the nations that were round about them. It didn't have and, anything to do with it. And not, um, and not only was the naked exercise, but it was also the gay sex they were having in the bathhouses. It was also the uh, the idolatry that they was doing. So um, so that, that that was some of the yeah. things. And then the, the, the unclean foods. Oh, oh, yeah, the unclean foods. That's in uh, the book of, uh, when you read further down in the Maccabees, mm-hmm. it talks about them being forced to eat these unclean foods. Exactly, or face death. So they were sacrificing pigs and swine on the altar. Uh, verse 47. Uh, verse 47. Yeah. First Maccabees chapter 1 and verse 47. Uh, 46. And you know what? Let me just start at verse 41. Mm-hmm. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people, and everyone should leave his laws, so all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judah that they should follow the strange laws of the land and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifice and drink offerings in the temple that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy people and set up altars and groves and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine flesh and unclean beasts. So that don't sound like a good thing. Heavenly Father said these nations, these these heathens that was forcing us to break the commandments, what were they forcing us to do? Sacrifice and, and eat swine's flesh. Mm. All right, so now let's go back to Acts, uh, the 10th chapter. And um, all that came out of Acts 10. All that came out of Acts 10. You know what, bro? I mean, just to yeah. tell me, mm-hmm. if you read 48 and 49, it's really going into the point that you, you all are bringing out about why we're not supposed to follow the other nations, how the most high set us apart from the other nations, that we're not going to partake of. Those oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you go ahead and read. First Maccabees 1.48, that they should leave their children uncircumcised and make them souls, their souls abominable with all manners of uncleanness <clears throat> and profanation to the end that they may forget the law and change the ordinances. So that's what the uncircumcision, the, the, the whole lifestyle of being a Gentile, the whole lifestyle of being uncircumcised was, was all about. It was about that you can do all kind of abominations, eat, eat whatever you want, and that, uh, that whole spirit is, is permeated into the society and also in a lot of your Christian churches. So they eat swine's flesh, they do a bunch of fornication, and, they, and nobody's talking about repentance from that. Exactly. So let's go back to Acts the tenth chapter. So we've read up to verse twenty eight where Cornelius the Cornelius received a vision, sent the three men to Peter, and now Peter is back in, in front of Cornelius. And we just pretty much went through scriptures in verse uh explaining verse twenty eight in detail where he said and he said unto them, 
you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Um, I'm going to read, I'm going to read on, and, uh, you know what, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to jump down to verse 34 for the sake of time. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth them and worketh righteousness is accepted of them. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So it's still showing you when you look at the prophecy throughout the scriptures, when it says he has in every nation them that fear him, this is talking about those that are scattered abroad of the children of Israel. You got all the uh, Kabbalah references earlier in James, the first chapter. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump down to verse 11. I mean, chapter 11. Because the thing is, is that, you know, once you get through chapter 10, it's like, oh, well, what about chapter 11? It says the same thing in chapter 11, and the crazy thing about it, chapter 11 explains chapter 10. So let me um, just jump straight, let me cut straight to the uh, chase here. And hold on. But you know, I'm going to just start at 11 and 1. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God, and when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Why? Because of what we read in the previous chapter in verse 28. It's like, listen, why are you bringing these, these people in, into the midst of them? This doesn't pertain to them. What's wrong with you? They, that's no other nation. They, they, they don't have any hope. They don't, they're not able to sacrifice to receive remission of sin. Not understanding that Christ has a freedom in us now. His sacrifice was it. Let's read on. It says, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it. By order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw the vision of certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheep, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. So it's not making a distinction between the queen and the queen. It says, all man. It says, and I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. Showing you again, he observes the dietary law. Verse 9, But when the voice answered me again from heaven, But God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And they stop right there. <laughs> Let's read the next verse. Mm-hmm. And behold, immediately there were three men already coming to the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. So he goes in and shows them how he basically taught them of the repentance to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to these people that were another nation. Basically, these were Israel, the part of the Israelites that were scattered abroad that were being brought into that one fold under that shepherd, our Lord. So it doesn't have anything to do with food. Nothing. But it doesn't stop there. I know we got a few more scriptures to cover. Let's go from there to um oh gosh. First Timothy. Chapter four, verses one through five. Another book. Yeah. First Timothy chapter four. 
But mm-hmm. that passage never comes out of the scripture, so I guess that's that's what they're using that is sanctified by the word of God because the pastor who so called got the word of God, he's telling you to eat the pork. Mm. Then hey, you know, it makes sense to them. If you wanted to get it real quick in, in Leviticus about how that that word mm-hmm. uh is the is the is the dividing line as far as what's clean and unclean because it says it's sanctified or made clean made clean by the word. Mm-hmm. And the word we understand that the most I gave us in the scriptures. Leviticus chapter 11, we can try that verse uh, 46 and 47, which is going to just give you a summary of what the entire Leviticus chapter 11 is about and what Deuteronomy 14 is about. This is a whole summary. This is the word of God that makes the separation. It says, this is the law of the beast and of the fowl and of every living creature that moveth in the water and of every creature that keepeth upon the earth. So verse 46 says, this is the law concerning every creature that is in our entire existence as physical human beings, whether it's in the sky or on the land or in the water. And it says water is plural because it doesn't matter if it's a lake or a sea or a river. Now verse 47. To make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. That's the sanctification between what is clean and unclean. So in order, things that are sanctified or things that are clean, the Lord explained here. And the things that are unclean, the Lord explained here. But this is the difference when we read in Leviticus chapter 7, 11, verse 47, that word that sanctifies or that determines what is clean and unclean. Right. And we read in the beginning where the Lord says, Think not, this is the book of Matthew five seventeen. They not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. So that argument that a lot of people use pertaining to the scripture, that's invalid as well. But we're not done. Bro, yes. Uh, you, one quick section if I could point out, just to drive it home. You know, we read through verse three back then um in First Timothy and um going through uh reading from one down to five. And you pointed out in, in verse five that being the point. But it also brings out a point in verse 3. And we've gone over it quite a few times in the history of going through the classes and so forth when it's talking about forbidding to marry commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them who believe and know the truth. So we go right along with what the brother Kabar was bringing out about the fact that it's what is sanctified by the word of God. We know that what the scripture is talking about when it says uh, to be received with thanksgiving of them who believe and know the truth. We know what the truth is talking about. And the scripture says it throughout, the scripture says all throughout the Bible how the word and the commandment of the Heavenly Father is the truth. And just connect that, you know, Psalms 119 and 142 goes and explains exactly that. And if I just go there real quick, just to bring that out. Uh, Psalms 119, 142, uh, and that reads, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. So when the scriptures are speaking about to those to be received or take given of them which believe and know the truth, we know the truth is talking about the commandments. And the Lord, the Heavenly Father gave us the instruction on what we're supposed to eat and what is clean and what is unclean, that is the law that is 
tongue and understand and distinguishing what is clean, what is unclean. The Lord made clean and unclean. And just right there, also in verse 151, Psalms 119, 151, where it says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are true. So bringing home what is explaining here in verse 3, in 1 Timothy, in uh, chapter 4, verse 3, when it says, what is God, what God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. We know the commandments are the truth. Exactly. And also to bring it up to today, mm-hmm. the commandments are the truth, and that the, the righteousness of the law and the understanding of the law, that, of course, we know that's all embodied in Christ. Yes, the law is the truth, but in that truth was brought to perfection in who? In Christ. In Christ. John chapter 14, verse, right. and verse 6. Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Which goes right back into Matthew's chapter 7 that you read. When Christ told you, the Lord is not going to be done away with, not one jot or one two. So Christ kept the commandments perfectly, taught us to keep the commandments perfectly, and that's why, that's how we know the truth and what's clean and unclean. Exactly. Because I'm still, I'm going to still deal with that because even on that point, you know, people will say, well, Christ fulfilled the law for us, so we don't have to keep it. Mm-hmm. So, so that means I can go out and sleep with another man's wife. That means that uh, a woman can basically commit adultery on her husband. I can go around and steal. Mm-hmm. Okay? I can murder my brother with a, with a gun by selling drugs to him. Does that, that mean the law is going to wait for it? Well, that's, that's what goes on in the church. I can tell you. I can take what I want. Whenever I see something I want, I can go and take it. I can kill somebody if I want to take it. Well, it doesn't mean that. Okay. Yeah, it's all word, man. Yeah. But let's move on, because I want to go to the book of Colossians. Oh. As old man, it's book of Colossians. We're going to the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 2. And I want to start at verse 6. Because, boy, this here was a doozy. This one was a doozy. Colossians 2, and we're going to start at verse 6, because the punchline is in chapters in verse 16. But people have to understand, and you know, when, when these, are, these letters are epistles that were written to Paul and sent out to the churches at one of these different areas were addressing things specifically to that church. But it didn't just have to deal with that church because the church is all made of the body. So these things pertain to the body of Christ, meaning all of those churches that came up under the Lord. So let's see what he was dealing with in this continual thought or this letter here about uh, eating unclean foods. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Stop. He says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Because remember earlier we addressed the whole issue of you had those of the circumcision, meaning that those that follow and observe the Levitical priesthood, the law of sacrifice, and the things pertaining to the temple that were coming into the uh, ministry. And you had those of the uncircumcision, basically everybody else, that were coming in from their various philosophies, whatever they were into, and repenting through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the early formation of the church, you had those two things, and in a lot of cases the, the circumcision were trying to bring the uncircumcised under the law of Moses. So he was like, listen, okay, because we're going to address that whole thing about the sacrifices, too, and how Christ has the preeminence. But he was like, listen, you coming into this thing under the circumcision, 
if you're going to be sacrificing and all of that, then that's what you do. Don't try to impose that on the on the people that's coming in from outside that didn't come up in that. That's why he said, as he has therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so must he in him. Because the Lord, when he prophesied of this temple should be, um, not one uh, rock should be standing upon this, um, I'm, I'm chopping it up. Upon another. Yeah. Right. Going into how the temple and everything is going to be destroyed. So let's read on. Verse 7, Colossians 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Yeah, because even in the churches at this time, you had men that were taking their father's wives. You had men that were bringing in heresies and other, trying to bring heresies and other doctrines to the church. So he was like, listen, we're not dealing with any of that. The Lord Jesus has the preeminence. Repentance is what we're supposed to be dealing with from the works of the flesh. That's what the doctrine is. Let's move on. Um, verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, mm -hmm. and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So see, this is the true circumcision that the scriptures are speaking of. See, all of those things that, a lot of those things that were done under the Old Testament, as far as the circumcision of the flesh, the Levitical priesthood, the law of sacrifice, the temple. Okay, what was that up? No, just that. They were shadows. Right. Exactly. Let's read on. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised them up from the dead. Mm -hmm. And ye being dead in your sins and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having given you all trust, forgiven you all trespasses. So now, let's understand what this is dealing with. So he's letting them know, listen, the circumcision that was basically part of your salvation and part of your covenant under the Old Testament, the circumcision of Abraham coming all the way up through the Levitical priesthood and the law of Moses, all of these things are being fulfilled in Christ when you accept him as Lord and Savior and repent through him. That's what this is talking about. And he says that, well, bear with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who have raised him from the dead. Because people say, hey, all I got to do is have faith. All I got to do is believe. He ain't got to do none of that. But it also tells you that faith without works are dead. So now, he says what in 13? And the reason why I'm going over this is because verse 14 is the one that they say that the Lord nailed the law to the cross. But he's ain't talking about the law in the previous verses. He's talking about the sins that we were committed. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the breaking of the commandments that was nailed to the cross and the judgment that we were supposed to receive. I already I gave it away. But I'm going to read. Verse 12, bear with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who have risen him, excuse me, who have raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So, 
by the Lord going through suffering that horrible death and being raised again and fulfilling those prophecies and supporting us to be adopted back to the Father, it says that what? That's what that word quickening means, to make a lot, because before we were there to the Heavenly Father. We were cut off. Mm-hmm. Read verse 14. Uh, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, that was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the, to the cross. Oh, it's not nailing it to the cross. He had nailed it to the cross. We ain't got to keep that no more. It's nailing to the cross. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you read up above, is this talking about the law being the handwriting of ordinances that was against us that was nailed to the cross? No, this is that law that we no longer suppose, that law we're no longer supposed to follow is going into the Levitical ordinances, the sacrificing the animals, um, and all the temple ordinances that was re- remaining with the temple. That's why Christ, the main thing that he said um, to the Pharisees, that in three days this temple will be destroyed. But he was merely, merely talking about him, Christ, um, being uh, in, in the grave three days and three nights. And uh, eventually the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., because uh, Christ brought that out also in uh, many of his parables to the Pharisees, because it was never through the orders of the temple that we be saved. It was through Christ that we be saved, because he was the one that was going to show us truly how to keep the law. The Heavenly Father never created us to, to sacrifice animals for sin when we were originally created without sin. So there will be no need to be sacrificing animals all the time for all these sins when we were originally created without sin. So now Christ came, and he became the final sacrifice for us so that we can uh, follow the Heavenly Father in, in perfection. Right. And I'm gonna just, just to tie that in, I'm going to read verse 14 in Colossians, the second chapter. It says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his, nailing it to his cross. Let's see what the Lord really nailed to the cross here. This is the book of Isaiah, chapter 43 and verse 25. It says, I, even I am he that blotteth out the transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Showing you again, the things that were nailed to the cross and basically were fulfilled in Christ was our sins. I Meaning we don't have to pay the judgment for that anymore. He took that punishment on for us. And what is sin? You can get that in 1 John 3 and 4. I'm going to read down to the end real quick. It says, put me in remembrance, let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified, that, excuse me, thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. So the Heavenly Father is showing us that through Christ, the judgment that we were supposed to receive and being cut off, Christ took that on for us and nailed that to the cross with him in his death. So we got about uh, 30 minutes or so left, so let's... um. This was Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. All right. Yeah, this is uh, 1 John 3 and 4. Yeah, and the brother got something uh, as well. Okay. Because the thing is, when you go on to verse 14, people want to get it backwards. When it says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, well, there's two things in that verse. One, when you talk about us, you're talking about the first covenant that the Israelites broke. Well, remember this letter going to the Colossians. It wasn't just going to any old people that was there. It was going to people who shared that same history about the sins or the covenant that was broken that they need to be forgiven for. 
None of the other nations received that covenant. Therefore, there was there was no atonement that needed to be, be made as far as breaking a covenant with the Lord. The Lord only made that covenant with Israel. That's why he's saying, blotting out the whole handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So he's talking to similar, uh, likewise, he's talking to Israelites, shared the same history, had the same curses on them that needed forgiveness for. The other thing he's talking about, when he's saying blotting out the ordinance, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, he's not saying there was something wrong with the law. He's saying there was something wrong with the people who were breaking the law. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the law that needs to go away, the law that was a problem. It was the people in their wicked hearts that would not allow them to keep God's commandments that was the issue. In Hebrews, when you read, and I'm looking for the verse when it talks about, and um, it's after Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8. Ooh, I was going to go to this uh, if he had time, but that's good. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8, it tells you, for the first covenant had been, uh, it says, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. When it's talking about faultless, meaning had it not been broken or, or transgressed again. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, I'm starting at verse 7. So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. It says, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Verse 8 is the point. For finding fault with them, not the covenant, then meaning the people. Or the law. Exactly, or the law. It says, for finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So he's going to let them know, listen, it wasn't the Lord that was the problem. It was the, the fault that was found within the people. And so that's why, because they broke that covenant, a new one has to be sought out. Same thing is going with here in uh, Colossians chapter 2, when it talks about in verse 14, that handwriting of ordinances is not saying that the, the law is saying, it's saying the people, because they were transgressing, they, they have to be forgiven for their sins and their transgressions. Mm-hmm. So it's not the law was done away with. It's talking about the sin because they broke the commandments. The Lord was doing away with those things so that they have an opportunity to have a thing to they start all over with, with a pure heart to keep the most out of commandments in Christ now. That's very important. That's very important. But uh, read First John 3 and 4. Okay. Uh, this is First John chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. So basically, when you read in Isaiah 43 and 25, we just established that the Heavenly Father uh, blotted out sin. That's what he nailed to the cross. And what is sin when we break or go and go against the laws that was already established in the Scriptures for us to follow? Now, through Christ, we're not sacrificing animals anymore or things pertaining to the temple, but we're still supposed to keep the Sabbath day. We're still supposed to keep the dietary law. We're still supposed to not commit adultery with our neighbor's wife. We're still not supposed to commit fornication, so forth and so on. We're still supposed to keep the high holy days. So sin is when we go against any of the laws that's found in the scriptures. Exactly. So now just moving right along because we're getting a little bit short on time. I'm going back to the book of Colossians, the second chapter. And um, I'm going to start at verse 14 and just read on through because that was the first part, but the second part, the whammy is coming after that. All right, this is Colossians 2.15, I mean 14. It says, writing out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, 
he made assure them openly, triumphing over them in it. Talking about his resurrection. Let's read on. Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body of Christ. And this is where the stuff hits the fan. See? Don't, you can't judge me because I'm not keeping the new moon. You can't judge me because I'm not keeping the Sabbath or, or, or I'm not drinking a certain thing or I'm eating certain things. See? It said that, that, that was a shadow. Okay. Remember, a lot of these things hinged on the Levitical priesthood. So let's see what he was talking about when he, talking, when he said something about being judged in meat and in drink and respect of in holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath day because there were certain things that took place on certain days mm-hmm. under the Levitical priesthood which pertained to the Levitical priesthood and the temple and that also pertained to salvation. I wonder why, if, if, if that was the case, why did Paul say in the Corinthians that he was uh, attending Pentecost? Well, why did he say I must at, at, at all costs if it be at all possible be in Jerusalem for the high holy day? For the Passover. So what was that the Sabbath is done away with or anything like that? Paul kept the Passover, but the Passover is done away with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see where they get that from. I want to go to the book of Numbers, the 28th chapter. And I'm just going to, I'm going to jump around because if you read through this whole chapter, it goes through those things that were specific to these days as pertains in the book of Colossians. Numbers 28, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say unto them, my offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor unto me shall ye observe to offer me unto me in their due seasons. Hmm. Okay, meaning that they're supposed to be done, certain things are supposed to be done at a certain time or a certain time of the year. Let's read on. Verse 3. And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire which ye shall offer unto the Lord, two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day, for a continual burnt offering. The one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer in the evening. So from here we've seen that there were sacrifices that were made in the morning and in the evening. Let's jump down to verse 7. It says that what? And the drink offering thereof shall be the fourth part of an hen for the one lamb. In the holy place shalt thou cause the strong wine to be poured unto the Lord for a drink offering. Okay. Let's read on. Verse 8. And the other lamb shalt thou offer at evening. As a meat offering of the morning, and as a drink offering thereof, thou shalt offer it. Excuse me, thou shalt. Um, excuse me, thou shalt offer it a sacrifice made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. Verse nine. On the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot, and two tenth deals of fine flour. Excuse me, two tenth deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil, and the drink offering thereof. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. Uh, that sounds kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, let no man judge you in meat and drink or in respect of an holy day or the new moon. We ain't got to the new moon yet. Let's read on. I'm still in Leviticus 28. I'm jumping down to verse 11. It says, And in the beginning of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord, two young bullocks, one ram, seven lambs, of the first year without spot. Mm-mm-mm. And the drink offering pertains to them. Pertains to them. Verse 14. And the drink offering shall be half a hen of wine unto a bullock, and the third part of a hen. So, I mean, it just goes into specific detail as far as what offerings were made 
on what day, verse 22, and one go for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. Because in verse 16, it goes into the Passover. Verse 17 on down, it goes into unleavened bread. Mm-hmm. Verse 26 on down, it goes into first fruit. Exactly. Each one of them having a sacrifice, meat offerings and drink offerings and going on down. And then also in Numbers chapter 29, it starts to go into trumpet, atonement, tabernacles. All of those things had sacrifices that had to be done. That's why I'm telling you in verse uh, in verse 16, mm-hmm. let no man therefore judge you in meat, talking about the meat offerings, or in drink, talking about the drink offerings, or in respect of a holy day, talking about the sacrifices for that day. Uh, it says, or the new moon, because there were sacrifices for that day, or on the Sabbath days, because there were sacrifices for that day. Because he's showing you all of those sacrifices now are being fulfilled in Christ. The sacrifices have been related to Levitical priesthood in the temple. But the keeping of those Sabbath days, as a holy day, we had to do. But we didn't have to do all of those sacrifices involved with all of that. That was a Levitical precept. Exactly. And just real quick, I'm going to go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Because the key word there in Colossians, it said, what, well, it was a shadow. Mm-hmm. All right. Hebrews 10 and 1, and this is where we're going to end up. It says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offer year by year continually, Make the comers there too perfect. See, people misunderstand and say, oh, well, the law is perfect. No, the law was perfect. The law was fine. We weren't. And our understanding, but that's what the example of Christ is doing for us. Christ came and showed us how to keep the commandments of the Heavenly Father. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be for then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged have had no more conscience of the sins? Because people don't understand, see, before Christ, these people can sit back and say, well, as long as I don't physically do something or as long as I don't commit this act, then I'm fine. But the Lord said that, listen, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you have already committed adultery with her already in your heart. But the Lord says that if you have hatred towards your brother, you've already, you're already guilty of the act of murder. So repentance through Christ is coming into dealing with us fighting these sins up here before it even manifests itself as an action or an act. That's what true repentance is about. It ain't about sitting back, well, I can fantasize, I can do this, I can do what I want to my mind, I can have beef with this person and smile in their face. Mm-mm. Christ doesn't work that way. Uh, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. 10 and 1. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep reading. And I'm going to hand it over to y'all if y'all have anything uh, before we close out. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there's remembrance again made of sins every year, going into the Day of Atonement. Because we have to remember that one of the heresies that was trying that was trying to be pushed into the church is trying to bring those people back under the Levitical priesthood. Because prior to Christ, that was the only way that you could receive salvation and remission of sins. That's why we read about all those different sacrifices that were offered back in Numbers 23. I mean 28. Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, talking about Christ, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. So the Lord Jesus Christ is prophesied of in this throughout this entire Bible. 
You can't just take the Old Testament and throw it out the back door with the baby in the bathwater. Okay. A lot of people say you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, you can't do that. This part is called, called the volume of the book. So you have to really understand the Old Testament to really get an under, true understanding of the new and what it means to repent for our Lord and Savior. So that's pretty much all I had. Um, you got anything? Um, one final scripture on my end. Uh, this is Isaiah uh, 66 and 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. And uh, because because now in verse 17 is going to tell you who's going to be part of this, uh, the slain that's going to be uh, included in the second coming mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh. So these these gardens and these groves, these were going to these different religions that our people was going into. And part of being a part of these religions, like we read in First Maccabees, part of the ordinance is that you got to eat swine's flesh. So it says, behind one tree in the milk, eating swine's flesh, and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. So if, if we're breaking the dietary laws, if we eat mouse burgers, yeah, possum stew, <laughs> coons, rabbit stew, squirrel, if we're, if we're eating these things, we're going to be con- we're going to be consumed together with this fire and this destruction that the Lord said He's coming with in Isaiah six and six and fifteen. Mm. So it's, it's very prevalent that we repent and, and let these things go. The Lord gave us so many other foods that we can eat, mm-hmm. um, and if we you know cook it right and receive it with thanksgiving. Right. So there's no need to be lusting after unclean foods. Uh, because the Lord is holding uh, such a high standard that you're going to be included in this destruction that Christ is coming with. If you don't repent. You know what? I I found one last one. St. John 10 and 27. And this is the Lord speaking. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Because, see, the other thing I wanted to make sure that we uh, made clear as well is that people get hung up on this whole Israel thing, too. What do you mean is Israel? This is not about a nationality. This is not about a color. This is not about a way a person looks. The Lord said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The scripture tells us that Israel was scattered to the four corners of the earth. So that's who this word is going out to. If you hear this word and you understand it and you take hold of it, then guess what? You are the sheep of the Heavenly Father in Christ. Thus saith the Lord. So that was pretty much it. So we want to give all thanks and praise to the Heavenly Father in Christ for the ability to preach his holy word, and hopefully you receive some edification from it and praise along. If you've enjoyed today's program, join us next week for another installment of Repentance is the Key, airing every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also visit us on our website, www.thebocc.com, and our YouTube page, www.youtube.com forward slash thebocc1. Once again, that address is www. 
www.thebocc.com and www.youtube.com forward slash thebocc1. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. to make fashion fireworks right now at old navy get up to 60 percent off the entire store during old navy's red white and new sale save big with items for two dollars four dollars six dollars and eight dollars including women's tanks for just two dollars plus two days only tomorrow and sunday get flag tees for the whole family for just 250 all summer essentials up to 60 percent off like flip-flops tank tops swimwear and shorts at old navy and old navy.com select styles only entire store offer valid 628 to 75 excludes clearance gift cards register lane items jewelry today only deals two-day only deals ready to make fashion fireworks right now at old navy get up to 60 percent off the entire store during old navy's red white and new sale save big with items for two dollars four dollars six dollars and eight dollars including women's tanks for just two dollars plus two days only tomorrow and sunday get flag tees for the whole family for just 250 all summer essentials up to 60 percent off like flip-flops tank tops swimwear and shorts at old navy and old navy.com select styles only entire store offer valid 628 to 75 excludes clearance gift cards register lane items jewelry today only deals two-day only deals 